Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Yeah. 
Hey guys, it's Ab. It's been, well, I guess it's been a little while since I shared a dream. Um, still having dreams, just, you know, waiting on the right dreams to share something that you guys can maybe get something out of also. Um, so let's see where to start. I have at least a couple I want to share with you guys. Um, the first one, I guess a little backstory on this. Um, I have just been praying just to have another dream of Jesus. I just miss him. And I know sometimes I'll get him symbolically in a dream and I think it might be him or I get something about uh, the Bible or something I'm trying to unlock and I'll get a dream that kind of gives me some answers. But I just missed him. I, I've, you know, if ever you've dreamt of Jesus, you just some, you wake up and you feel like you've just been plugged into a battery all night because you just feel so charged. You've been in his presence and you feel it. And I miss that. If you've ever been in the, if even in a dream in the presence of Jesus, you will forever miss it after that because it's just so phenomenal. Um, so anyway, I had been praying on that. In the meantime, I'm just going through a lot of stuff. I know we all are. It's just, it's the world we live in. For personally, I'm also just tying up a lot of loose ends for the for their school year. We had an event. We had exams. We had uh, things I had been planning and a lot of responsibilities and thing I was, things I was working on. We had a big event and it went beautifully, but I was I still feel like I should have done something better. There's a few things I felt like oh they just didn't go the way I wanted them to, and I, I've just been beating myself up a lot lately and feeling like I'm doing something wrong because I'm not dreaming of Jesus. <laughs> so it's just and I, I'm sure all of us have been feeling really oppressed, and I'm sure it could be also in part being an attack on me. Um, I've seen a lot of you guys sharing things or dreams or even daily things where you feel like this is just not right, this is an attack. And then you watch the news or watch anything on TV and you just, we all get pretty, I don't know what the word is, depressed when we see just the state of the world is just falling apart around us. And I sometimes, it's just like, how is nobody else seeing this? I know my brothers and sisters do, but the rest of the world is just so caught up in this, you know, it's, it's, it's deception and they're just, they don't even see how they've, they, you know, the de declining, the, how the human race has just really declined. And anyway, so I've been feeling the weight of that and just all these other responsibilities. And literally at the end of the day, I'm exhausted. I just feel like oppressed. And so I'm, and then meantime, I'm also like, why isn't Jesus talking to me? <laughs> like, what's wrong? And I know I feel the Holy Spirit and I feel guidance on that, but I just, I wanted a dream with him. So I have this particular dream. Let me share it with you. Um, I'm with a group of people through the dream and they were doing different things, walking through buildings and organizing things. And at one point we walk into, it feels like a restaurant and there's like a, a bar and then there's booths along the side. And so... I'm sitting like in the middle with these people aside, beside me. Oh, you know what? I'm jumping ahead. Hang on. First, before that scene, um, I'm walking into a building, and I'm seeing this young man, and he's carrying something. And there's another big guy behind him. And I don't see who the other guy is. I just focus on this young man. And he's carrying something that's moving around a lot, and it's hitting him in the face. And it's scratching his face. Like it's, I'm watching it, and I'm thinking... Well, let's fit. And our your first instinct is let's adjust this or fix it so it's not wounding him. And he, and it's like he's not even trying to stop it. It's he's just taking it, and it's scratching him. And I even think it might even hit his nose. I'm worried it's going to break his nose. Like something is just whatever it is he's carrying. And I never did see exactly what it was. It looked like something like 
I don't know. I, I couldn't tell what it was. And I was really concerned for him, and I was worried about his face. I just remember thinking, you know, he's not even shielding it for with his hand. He's just letting it hit him in the face. So then later in the dream, I'm with, some things happen, and then I'm with this group of people. We're in look like a restaurant, and we're sitting at like this long table. It could be like a bar or something. And I see the same young man come in this time. And he before he'd been scratched up, now it's like he had just showered. He looked refreshed, cleaned up. His hair was even a little bit wet, like he'd just gotten all cleaned up. His face looked fine. And he went over and sat down by a booth. And I right away recognized him as the man earlier in my dream. And I felt like he was waiting for me. I felt like I'm supposed to go talk to him. Like he knew me and um, and somehow he was waiting for me. That's, that's all I, the best thing I can say. The problem was, is I started getting really self-conscious. I um, I felt like, you know, I had, <laughs> in the dream, I had no makeup on. My hair was in a scrunchie, kind of like how I look on a Saturday morning. You're just kind of, you know, wearing your sweats. You're just not cleaned up. I haven't taken your shower yet, you know, and that's how I felt like I just hadn't gotten myself together. I just didn't feel ready or I didn't feel, I felt like it was me though. I felt like I could, he's just waiting for me. I can get up and walk over there, but it was my self-consciousness was just like, why don't I go take a shower first? I kept thinking, I should, I should go take my shower first and get ready. I feel like, um, out of more respect for him or so, or not even that. It was just like, I just felt insecure maybe. I don't, I don't know. It's, it just didn't feel like I was at my best. Like I wanted to impress him. I think that's what it was. I wanted to impress him. And I just didn't feel like I had it together. So when that dream ended, it wasn't until I was actually writing it down that I think that this whole this man symbolized Jesus. And it was so interesting is I remember his face so clearly. I could probably draw it. it and I probably should. I, I haven't drawn it in a while, but... Um, and I thought that was also an answer to a prayer because I'd never gotten to see Jesus's face before. And I, you know, always felt unworthy to see his face. I just felt like, okay, he doesn't, you know, I'd maybe see the side of his face or, or he'd be talking to me, but I couldn't remember. It was, the memory was taking, taken from me. But in this dream, when he was walking toward me carrying that, I just stared and stared and stared at his face. And whenever I, I in a dream where I take time to study something, I know it's, it's for a reason. Somehow the dream is, you know, something in the dream is saying, remember this. I was staring at his face. And then later on, I saw it was the same man. I recognized him right away. And he looked very normal. He just looked like it was one of those faces where, and it may not be his face, but I think it's the face he had when he walked this earth. Because that's always what I wondered, you know, when he walked the earth, what did he look like? We know in his glorified state, he looks amazing, obviously. And, but yet his own disciples didn't recognize him right away when he came back after his crucifixion. So I know he must look different. And I just wondered, what do you look like just as a regular man? I just was curious. Well, this looked like a very regular man. and But yet one of those faces that you're still kind of drawn to. He didn't like have the movie star kind of good looks. It was just, but yet a face that you would say, wow, I want to, you know, do you feel drawn to that person? Um, so it was that kind of face. And it looked like he looked like he had been a young man, but also somebody who had been through a lot. Well, anyway, so he had been at that table, and as I awoke, I realized first of all he had been carrying something, and it was, and it was also going hand in hand with getting abuse. And I think that was when he was carrying the cross. And I remember a big fella next to him. I never did see what that guy looked like, but I remember he did get help at one point carrying the cross. And as this thing was banging him in the face, he didn't stop it. He he was already being you know, um, 
basically embracing the, the point that he would be a sacrifice. And what's the point? You know, don't block it. He's just accepting it and taking it for us. Um, now, the interesting thing was when he came in the room and sat down at that table all by himself at a booth, and he was facing me and just looking at me. And at one point, I had looked over, and I felt bad because I knew, like, he was probably waiting on me. And at one point, I looked right at him and made eye contact with him, saying, I acknowledge you, I see you, but I can't come over yet. And, and, he, and when I woke up, I thought, you know what? It's not because I was unworthy to sit with him. It's because I, my own hang-ups are getting in the way. It was me. He'd never said, no, you're not ready for me yet. He was waiting. He's waiting for me. And I had my own issues. I, I, I was the one who got in my own way. And, you know, the, the scripture that popped into my head, too, with the significance of him sitting at a table, in, was it Revelation 3.20? He said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and I will dine with him and he with me. And yeah, Revelation 3.20. So he will dine with him. Here he is sitting at a table waiting to dine with me. He's, you know, I opened the door for him. He walked in ready to sit down and dine with me. And I'm like, oh, I'm not good enough. Oh, I have to go take a shower. It's like, come on, you know, he's. And what I think what Jesus is telling me is get out of your own way. And stop feeling unworthy. Stop feeling like you've got to impress me, okay? Um, you know, the faith, the love, having him in our heart, that's the thing that matters to him, that we love him so much that we, it's not like feeling a burden to give up sin. We do it willingly because we love him so much. We just, it just falls away. We have the, you know, we're embracing the Holy Spirit and, um, and having that fear of God and, um, you know, all these things that show the, how we walk in and step with, with Jesus. And so anyway, that was that dream. Okay. So then I had that dream. What's today? Tuesday. I had that dream Sunday night. And so then, so then all day Monday, which was yesterday, I'm having another rough day <laughs> and I really feel under attack this time. I really feel like just burdened by things and I'm still beating myself up over stuff I was responsible for and I feel like I just did and it turned out wonderful the whole event we did all the schooling we did and, and I think I'm just I'm, you know when you're so caught up in stress that you just don't even feel the stress you just have to get through it and then finally it's all done and you literally feel like you've just been through a battle and you just want to do nothing but lay on the couch and just go oh, you know well that's what I was doing I'm just like taking my breath and then just reliving everything and just reliving everything and reliving and it's just enough so there's one moment where I'm, I, I just burst into tears. I walk into the back of my bedroom and I'm going through the bathroom, going through drawers, going to the closet, and I just start crying. And I'm just like, Lord. And it's, all of a sudden, I just get so mad at God. I don't, seriously, I was shocked at myself, but I just was like, why does it have to be so hard? You know, why does everything have to be such a mystery? Why can't you just, you know, you know, we say we love you, we say we have faith, why can't you, you know, give us more encouragement. Why is everything such a battle? And why do we have to be, why are so many good people suffering? You know, the, the usual stuff. And deep inside, I've read the Bible and I know, and I have the wisdom and everything, but it was one of those moments where I think it was a moment of weakness. I think I was fatigued and I think I was attacked. And, and right away in my mind, I'm hearing just say Psalm 91, just, just say Psalm 91, just rebuke whatever this is, this burden over you. 
And um, and even my husband, somehow he just sensed something. He just followed me in there, and he saw me crying. And he sits down, and he's comforting me and everything. And um, and then I start complaining about him. And, and then that's not fair because then he's like, well, you know, I do kind of wake up early, and I'm, I'm kind of, you know, getting the kids fed and rushing around while you're getting ready. And, and, and he comes home late, and then he's got this all these things to take care of. And I'm like, that's not fair to, to you know, have to – burden him with stuff and it wasn't realistic anyway to me for to complain about him so I realized I just need to stop this just stop because I already feel yucky about it and I repented and um, just hang on a second honey so anyway <laughs> okay okay um so I have this dream and this is how good God is because he realized this girl she, I almost felt like you know how these little kids are stuck in a maybe a a school or a building all day and they're just you know all these things is to learn this learn that and there's all these things they got to do and finally it's time for recess and you let the kids out and they're just like ah you know and they can finally run and play this is what that's, that's exactly what they let me do last night okay um I have this dream first part of the dream I feel like I'm in this really tall townhouse and I'm in the, the ground floor and I feel like I'm with a child possibly my daughter and there's there's like a hallway in, around the corner, and we're on the around the corner, and I hear somebody at the door. The front, this there's like a door down there, and I peek around the corner, and I see these two men, just their shadows through the. There's like a glass window, and I can see their silhouettes, and know that these are two strange men. I don't know who they are, and I already had like this knowledge or understanding that either they're trying to sell me something, but they just didn't have a purpose to be there. They weren't supposed to be there, or I I thought maybe they're up to something. They may try to get in the house, so I walk. And I thought it's important that they, I let them see me. They're going to peek through the glass and they're going to see somebody's in the house because maybe they're going to break in. I don't know. So at first I'm kind of hiding, thinking I don't, they're, I don't want to deal with these people. But then I thought, no, I'm going to let them see me. So I walk over to the front door and I can hear them talking to themselves. And um, I, stand, I stand just on the other side of the door from them and I hear him saying, ma'am, can you just open the window a little bit or, or open the door so we can talk to you? And right away, a voice says, don't open the door, don't open a window. And I, I just knew, nah. So I just yell back, nope. <laughs> I'm like, and I might have even said, go away, or something like that. And then as I'm saying that to them, I feel like somebody was coming up behind them, somebody like my neighbor or somebody is about to come and run them off. I feel like a big person is coming about to run them off. And then the dream changes, and then the next dream, I'm in the same house, but I'm on the very top floor, and I'm sitting on a staircase, like the very top stair again with my daughter. And I'm sitting up there, and I'm, I'm having a memory of looking through all the bedrooms on this top floor. Now, this looks nothing like my house right now, but it's in my dream, it's my house. So I'm looking, and I'm looking at in these bedrooms and all these different rooms going, how come we don't spend more time up here? You know, like, why aren't we using these rooms? There's so much space up here. And I'm looking down the hallway, and, and it just goes like, this long hallway goes to the entire length of the house. And I'm even seeing, like, these hardwood floors, and some go down they go, and for a while, and they go step up, and there's all time, like, interesting little levels and things. And um, But then I realize where I'm sitting, there's no balcony. Like, there's a drop-off right where I'm sitting, like, the stairwell is where I'm sitting, and there's no... There's no guardrail, first of all, across the top. And I realize I can't let my daughters run around because it's not safe. And I'm thinking to myself, my husband and I have to get around to putting up this guardrail right here and just to keep the kids safe. Okay. So, And I'm still figuring out the symbolism. I know when you're dreaming at the very top level, that's a good sign. I, I'm 
trying to remember how that goes. I don't have a very good dream dictionary. I'm trying to find a good biblical one, and I found a few, but they never seem to have exactly what I'm looking for. But anyway, if you guys can help me with that, that'd be great. Now, the best part of the dream, though, is in my house again, but I go outside my house, and interestingly, it's wintertime. Everything is covered in this big, fluffy, white snow, but I know the trees of my backyard very well. We spend a lot of time outside, and, and I've got these beautiful trees that kind of, and there's like a part of my, my backyard that's like this clearing, and it's surrounded completely, like, like three-quarters of the way by trees. It's like this little enclosed area, and so I'm, I'm walking back here thinking how pretty it looks, and I think to myself, oh, I'd love to fly. And then suddenly I'm flying, and I'm just playing. I'm like flying and woo, just having a great time. And I feel like a child. I feel like I have a feeling, and the way I, only way I can describe this feeling is feeling like someone's, I haven't had that feeling in a long time, but feeling like someone's child. You know, I've, you know, I moved out of the house when I was 18 to go off to college, and that was pretty much it. I was on my own, paying my own way through college. My family, you know, they were just a little mixed up, and, you know, they're lovely people, but they weren't real caretakers. You know, I had pretty much, I never could really depend on them. They really let me down a lot of times where I got to the point where I just couldn't, I, only, I just knew I could only depend on myself. So at a very early age, I was very independent and um, made, you know, kind of paved my own way through life. So it's been a long, long time where I felt like I was being looked after, like, and my husband does that to an extent, you know, but we're both adults and we both have, we think about bills and we think about responsibilities. And I forgot what it felt like to be a child before all that kicked in. When you're a real little child and you know, mommy and daddy just take care of everything and you can just not worry about what's for dinner, not worry about, you know, going off to the store, getting doctor appointments, paying bills. Before any of that sets in, all you think about is the next chance you get to go play. And that's what it felt like. I felt like a child. And I'm I'm flying through the air, just having this great time. And as I'm going, I'm doing these big loops in the air, going through the trees of my backyard. And I can see my house behind me, the house I have now. And I see the edge of it, just exactly how, as it is in real life. But the weird thing is, my house looked like it would like 100 years from it. It looked very dilapidated. Now, we have a relatively new house. We, it was only built maybe eight years ago. We moved in while it was still being under construction. So, But in this dream, it looked like it had, had been abandoned for years. And I had the feeling like, I don't live there anymore. And I even could see through one of the windows, and I could see that it was just dusty, and things were just falling apart. And I had a thought to myself, I don't. I know I can go in there if I want to take a look around, but I know it would make me so sad to see how it's the knowing the life, the beautiful life we've lived in this house that we just don't live there anymore, and knowing that it's aged so much now, it would just it would make me sad to see the state it's in now. Yet at the same time, I felt like I was in a new body. I felt light as a feather, as free as a child, and I was just playing. And I was in the snow. Okay, so I'm doing these loops in the air. And I'm going so fast now, I do another big loop, and this time I'm going so fast, I realize I'm going to plow into the ground in this big fluffy snow. And I'm kind of bracing myself going, oh my gosh, I'm going too fast. And I go, Psh! and the snow is like, it feels like um, powdered sugar. It's like so soft and cushy, and it's not cold. I don't feel, and it's just so comfortable. And I'm going, oh, this feels wonderful. And I'm just playing in the snow. And you don't, you know, don't get frostbite like you do here where I live now. If you do that, you'd be frozen stiff. But I'm having a good time. I'm playing. And I'm thinking, but it 
dream because I, I decided I want to take a big scoop of snow, but I thought, no, my hand's just going to go right through it because I'm just dreaming. I'm not going to feel any real sensation. So I go to scoop it up and I feel it. And it feels like if ever you've been to a beach where you're right next to the shoreline and the, and the sand is kind of packed where the water has been going over it, and you take your hand and it goes, let me get my hand in here so you can see, and you scoop the sand and it goes, like you're kind of, it, it's like uh, being stopped along the way because you're trying to scoop up the sand that's really hard. I was doing that and I could feel the sensation so real. And something in my head said, this is real. Like you're feeling the sensation. And then I was so, and there was something really significant when I scooped the sand, and I don't know. And I say sand, really it was snow. But it, I remember thinking, it almost feels like sand. I'm just scooping it up because there was no coldness at all. Maybe that's why I thought of sand. But I'm scooping it up, and I was marveling over how real I could feel it. And then I got real excited, and I thought, I'm going to taste it. So I take some and I put some to my mouth and it tastes sweet. It tastes, I feel that I taste the flavor and it's real sweet. And I'm getting so excited, like this is real, this is real. And then I notice on the snow, and this time I'm on my tummy and I'm just laying flat on the snow, just playing like a child. And I'm playing and I'm tasting the snow and, and just enjoying the sensation of it because it's not cold and I can just keep playing and tossing it in the air. And I look and there's a row of stars toward the, like, I'm playing with the snow, but just below it is a row of stars, like along here. And there's the small little stars, and they're all different colors. And they're real soft colors, like a soft blue, a yellow, a soft pink, real soft pastel glowing colors. And I almost had the feeling that they look like jewels, and they're glimmery. And maybe, I don't know exactly how many there were, but I'm, I'm guessing maybe five or six. or wasn't. I just saw, like, right in front of me, a little row. And then I decide, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to taste those, too. <laughs> So I, I scoop them up and I start to, I go like this and taste them and they taste really good. I can't remember exactly the flavor, but they seem like they just, just like evaporate in your mouth. Like they, like um, cotton candy, like you put them in and they just kind of dissolve in your mouth, but there's a wonderful flavor and I'm just having a ball and I'm having so much fun. Okay. So then I wake up and after the yucky days I've had in the past, I woke up just so buoyant, so happy, so recharged. And I think... What the Lord was showing me in these last couple of dreams is, first of all, quit kicking yourself and feeling not good enough to come and sup with me. Like he says in the Bible, sit down with me and get out of your own way. I'm waiting for you. You are just keep second guessing yourself, thinking I'm, you know, I don't have time for you or that you're not dreaming of me, so I'm not around. I'm always here. I'm always here. And I should know this of all people because I had a video. I said the exact same thing many, many months ago. Anyway, how easy we forget. But anyway. There was that. And then the, the, you know, the day I had yesterday where I'm just, you know, all the responsibilities, I think this was a gift from God saying, you know what, she just needs to play. Just, and it was so ironic is, um, and I, and let me first, before I forget, talk about the symbolism of the house. One of the verses, of biblical verses that came to me is corruption will put on incorruption. And the, when, when we get up into, when Jesus comes and meets us in the clouds. Corruption be must become incorruption. And I'm looking at my, my house, my old life, the corruptible life. We live right now. This is a corruptive, you know, corruptible life because it can die. It can fall into disrepair and things can go old, get old. And I'm looking at my old life and I'm thinking, I loved that house. I loved that life, but I don't want to go back into that house. It's, it's all corrupted now. And I don't know if 
if this is something in the future I'm going to get to come back, I don't think there really is going to be anything left on this earth. But I think it's more of a symbol, like this is your old life and you're saying goodbye to it. And the Lord was giving me a taste of my new life, our new spirit body, the freedom, the joy of being a child again, of being under someone's watch, of being under someone's care, where you don't have to worry about anything but just playing and being joyful and feeling love and just reveling in this amazing body we're going to have and this amazing freedom we're going to have. And in that dream when I was playing in the snow, I could feel like a presence near me, like something watching over me. And it was a wonderful feeling. I haven't had that feeling in so long where I just had no care in the world. Imagine that. Imagine not having a care in the world and just having all the time to play and have all this, this freedom, feeling light as a feather, um, not feeling any aches or pains. You can, you know, play in the snow and not have it like, you know, the frostbite hurt your fingers. Um, and that was that was the message I think God was giving me. So, um, and I have some other scripture I wanted to read. What was it? Oh, okay. That's something else I want to remember to, to talk about too. Let me just make sure I covered all my other notes. But I think, you know, this was God. You know, God is so good. And he basically was, oh, I know what else I wanted to say too. When I was doing the prayers last night and I was sending off the last prayer and we were doing all our pray time. And there's a few people who had prayer requests, and I was praying over them and, and responding to some of the people. And I and one of the prayers I said was, give your burdens to the Lord. Don't d fight these battles. You're not supposed to, because the battle's already been fought and won by Jesus. Just give it to him and release your burden. And hello, did I take my own advice? No. What did I do all day yesterday? I beat myself up. I'm burdening myself. All these responsibilities I'm dwelling on. He was saying, you know, take your own advice. Give me your burdens. And so last night he gave me a feeling of what it felt like to be unburdened. Like he just took all the weight away from me. And I, I, this whole day today has been so different. I felt like such a child again. I felt like, you know, I saw my responsibilities, but they don't weigh on me. And, I, you know, I keep up with things as I should. But how I feel about it is up to me. I could either moan and groan about it and let it weigh on me and be depressed about it, or I can say, you know what, okay, so i got to do all this, this, and this, but I can choose to feel happy and remember that I'm the Lord's child, and I'm being watched over, I'm being cared for, and there's going to come a time where I can really just feel that 100%, and so anyway, now one other thing I want to mention before I forget, the last few days, the Lord keeps putting this image in my head of, if you ever see Think of a gas tank in your car. You're driving your car, and you see the little gas gauge, and there's like the little dial, like the E for empty and F for full. Well, I keep seeing this needle on empty, and sometimes on some of these gas gauges, they'll have like a little red area as it gets closer to the E. Well, in my mind's eye, I keep seeing this gas gauge, and it's on E, and it's been, and now the gas light has come on, and this needle has been resting on E for a while, and as some of you know, you can either... You know, you still have a few miles left. You just don't know when it's going to be because the dial is already on the E. It's not moving anymore. It's already resting on there. And now I have a van these days. You can, when the light comes on, you can click a button and it will say how many more miles you have before the, the car dies. But in the old days, we didn't have that. We just had to say, okay, either I have, either I've got 20 more miles or it's going to die around this corner. I just don't know. Well, that's the vision I keep getting is it's on the E. And that's why, and Jesus was showing me, he was, I've literally almost heard his voice. He was saying that, how does it go? Okay. 
you know how Jesus was saying, no one knows the day or the hour, not even the Son of Man. But he obviously, I, I honestly feel like the Father, our God the Father, has let Jesus know when the needle is on the E, when our time has run out. So that's why Jesus has been able to wake us up, to warn us. He's saying, hey, 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 the needle's on empty. I don't know when it's going to conk out. I don't know when this, when basically this, so, you know, this symbol, symbolic car is going to die when the world is ending and here I come and get you guys. And, and I thought more about that scripture because I've had some comments long ago when I was making videos and people were saying, every time I had a dream that it's the time is now, the time is now, they're like, you can't know that because not even Jesus knows. Well, if you listen, if you read scripture carefully, Jesus didn't say no one knows the, 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 the month or the year. He said no one knows the day or the hour. In other words, we will know the month, we will know the year, or we'll at least know the year. We'll know the season. That's what I meant to say, the season or the year. Um, so I think Jesus himself knows, hey, we're in that red zone. The needle is down. Now it's just a matter of whether you've got a few more miles left or whether you're, the car's about to die, you know, at this moment. So um, I just realized that we're in that zone. And I do, and I also felt confirmation that we are going to know, Jesus says Jesus knows that it's, this is the year, this is the season. He doesn't know the day or the hour. None of us will until that time only the Father knows. But we can at least know that we're in the red zone, that it could be any minute now. It could be a few more miles or it could be tomorrow. So um, anyway, I just wanted to share that. That's just a vision that keeps popping up in my head when I see that and I realize it's Jesus is just waiting. <laughs> He's just waiting. So anyway, guys, I just want to share all this with you. God bless you. I love you. And let me know what you think. Alrighty, bye. Make a way for Make a way for Make a way for the King The King is coming
life and awakening Burn away everything that's not for you
Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Yeshua Mashiach. Praise your holy name. Brothers and sisters, welcome to the Lord's Hour tonight, Saturday night. It's an honor to be here with you. We got a packed show tonight. I have a lot of information to share with you. Uh, maybe some new stuff for some people, maybe not. But what I'm going to share tonight will help you uh, when it comes to the throne room of grace, when it comes to the courts in heaven. And I hope to be able to uh, equip you and empower you. Sorry about the late entry here. Uh, we've I had I've been having some technical difficulties with my computer. Um, it's either it's either being hacked or, or maybe it's time to get a new one. I don't know. Um, but you know everyone's having some financial uh, setbacks right now. So and I'm in be, I'm in between jobs. I start a new job on Monday. Um, I'm out of Babylon. And being out of there, I've I've made I've managed to impact a lot of lives, and I have three poems tonight that I would like to share from one of the inmates. I told him I would I would I would say his poems online. This comes from an inmate in in the jail, and I wanted to share this to bring him honor. I. I um I it really laid heavy on my heart to bring this just because this is to show you the impact that I've had working in the jail correctional system. I've been working in the jail correctional system since 2002 uh 2003. I've been in maximum uh psych psychiatric female maximum psychiatric Close management, females, suicidal. Uh, uh, I saw demonic manifestations. I've seen demonizations. Uh, I've seen them do witchcraft. I've seen witchcraft being used on other inmates. Uh, this one made a girl swallow her tongue. So I, I've seen a lot, brothers and sisters, and I've managed to make an impact. I've managed to touch lives. With the power, with the power of Yahushua Mashiach, I managed to touch lives and help make a change in the community, in the prisons. And I remember, I'll never forget this one female who tried to kill herself. Uh, she tried. She tried. She, they say she had some. Her girlfriend had slashed her neck with a razor blade, and and then she said that she tried to kill herself. Well. When she came back from the hospital, it looked like she had a zipper going from ear to ear because that's how bad bad she was cut. And I took care of her when she came back. She was a this was maximum state prison Department of Corrections in Florida. And I told her about the love of our Savior Jesus Christ Yahushua Mashiach, and I was able to minister to her life. And when I left the state prison there in Broward Correctional Institution, when I was leaving, I told her goodbye, and she said that I had I had really showed her what it really meant to be a follower of Jesus Christ, Yahushua Mashiach, because 
I did not try any funny business, any, you know, any Lulu business. And I made an impact on her life. And she said, because of the impact, she really knows that there is a savior. That there is someone out there that loves her. Even for all the bad things she's done in her life. That by me ministering to her and being a nurse that cared and put everything to the side. You know, when we put away the the things of the flesh, when we put away the self, uh, self-promotion, self self-identity uh, uh, self issues, and we truly love and try to share and minister and, and, and work into people's lives, you know, through honesty and love and compassion, it, it really makes a change into people's lives, and they see the difference they realize the difference, and they realize it's it's a true, clear di- difference than what, you know, some of these false pretenders out there want to do for for monetary purposes. So, you know, praise praise Yahuwah Mashiach. He's he's mighty. And before we go into praise and worship tonight, and and I really would like you to really. Praise and worship uh, our Savior Because there's going to be beautiful things coming I have a great message for y'all tonight Some words from from uh, the Ruach HaKodesh the words from, I have some words here from headquarters and a, and a very awesome teaching on how to operate in the courts of heaven I have two books here I'm going to be reading from So you can learn how to operate in the courts of heaven I'm going to give you a very brief Overview of how to operate in the courts of heaven Once we go through some of the Stuff that the Lord wants me to share In my heart So hang with us Before we go into praise and worship Excuse me I want to read these These beautiful poems From Inmate Fuller Inmate number 63639 This first one is called Harvest Field in the harvest fields, souls are won and lost. As the truth is spoken of the one who paid the cost, Jesus is the one who gently spreads his seed. The crowds are ripe with hunger as they begin to feed. Some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds snatched it away. These heard the words of Christ, but rejected it the same day. Some seed fell on stony ground and instantly sprang up. But joy became refusal to drink from his bitter cup. Some seed fell amongst the thorns and choked for its last breath. As the seedful lust for things of this world brought in spiritual death. Some seed fell on the ground and found that it was good. These heard the word of Christ and did it and did just what they should. Some produced forty, sixty, a hundredfold. This is a poem on the parable that Jesus told. Hallelujah. This one is called Let Not Your Heart Be Troubled. Again by Inmate Fuller, number six three six three nine. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Continue to be, believe I've answered what you prayed. I was with you in the beginning. 
I'll be with you in the end. I am the good shepherd. Your life I'll truly mend. I've witnessed every tear that splashed upon your cheek. Not one word has left your lips that I've not heard you speak. I know all your hurts and pain and even your despair. I know the times that you cried. Does my Jesus care? Know this more than life, for this is what I gave. When you call upon my name, I don't hesitate to save. To save. Hallelujah. This last one is called Forgive Them. Again, by Inmate Fuller, number 63639. The men he loved became the foe, the one who sets men free. The hammer struck another blow as they nailed him to the tree. The people stood there mocking. The soldiers threw their dice. The painful scene was shocking. Oh, what evil did entice. His mother stood there shattered, one disciple by her side. To see her son so battered, her tears would not subside. Around the ninth hour, his ghost was given up. The curtain in the temple rent, and the sky became disrupt. Right before he passed on, right before he passed on, the words he spoke were few. Father, please forgive them, for they know not what they do. Hallelujah. Okay, let's go into some praise and worship. And just praise him for what he did, brothers and sisters. Praise him for what he's going to do. Praise him for the glory that is coming. Praise him for that glory for that glory cloud. Because when it comes, you're not going to want to stop praising him.
praise your holy name. We praise you. Purify us tonight. Purify us tonight. Speak to our hearts tonight. Give us your rhema word. Yahushua Mashiach. Hallelujah. 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 
Father, we come before you tonight, Yahuwah, in the name of Yahushua Mashiach, by the blood of Yahushua Mashiach, we are washed white as snow. By the blood of Yahushua Mashiach, it gives us our defense against the accuser, against the prosecution, against the prosecutor. We we plead the blood of Yahushua Mashiach, Jesus Christ. We plead the blood as our defense. This is our defense. This is our binding legal covenant that he shed for us on the cross. Come into our hearts tonight. Give us your rhema word. Thank you. Thank you for your rhema word. Thank you for baruching us. Thank you for blessing us tonight. Thank you for being with us tonight. Thank you for for opening the heavens for us tonight. I thank you, Yahushua Mashiach. Worship your holy name. I worship your holy name. I bind up right now. I bind up any any illegal ties right now that the enemy might have on us, on, on anyone listening. 
I bind up any and all legal ties right now by the bloodshed of Yahushua Mashiach, Ruach HaGodesh. I bind them up right now. I bind up any enemy, any accuser trying to come against us tonight, any doubting spirits, any fearing, lying, evil demons. I, I bind them up right now and I cast them out. And I loose, I loose your Zadik Malakim. I loose legions of Zadik Malakim. The Zadik Ruachim, the Abaronai, Yahuwah Elohim. I loose them right now to enforce the highest standard. I loose your Angelos. I loose your Numas right now to enforce, to enforce your binding agreement, to enforce your standards. To enforce your promises, to enforce your protection around us as we as we receive your word. Take over now, anoint my tongue to speak your words. Release now through this vessel your words. I decrease while you increase. Put over me now the spirit of teaching, so that your 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 teaching will go crystal clear. And 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 plant seeds. Be able to cut through the bone and the marrow. Be able to cut through the dividing asunder, through the, through the skin and the spirit and the soul. And plant seeds. Plant seeds. Let us bear your good fruit. We welcome you. We thank you. We seal this prayer by the blood of the Lamb, Yahushua Mashiach, Jesus Christ. I thank you, Yahuwah. Thank you. Brothers and sisters. Our Father, our Savior, He wants us to spend more time with Him. He wants us to really dedicate more time, more praise, more worshiping to Him. You know, in the Bible, the story of Martha and Mary, I, 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 it never really jived with me until I, I, I became a little more mature in His Word and. I learned to realize, you know, it's not really by working like Martha was working. Martha was wanting to always work. And you see, I did this, I did that, I did this. However, there comes a time when we did all we can do. And and really, all that's really wanted of us is to worship, to be at his feet, to bring the oil that we have whatever is expensive and bring it to him and and anoint him and 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 share our time with him and and just be at his feet worshiping him loving him praising him thanking him because by doing this we develop a deeper relationship with him that you no longer walk around thinking your faith is not good enough when you live, when you have this, this deeper relationship, you no longer walk around thinking, am I good enough? Am I, am I faithful enough? Do I do enough? When you have a deeper relationship and you're at his feet worshiping and praising him, that's why I bring worship music and, and praise him because it's, it's harmonics. You know, when, when, Jericho, when when Joshua was going against Jericho, he thought he was going to bring battling rams and he was going to fight. No. 
in the courts of heaven, it was predetermined that all he had to do was praise and worship. And the walls came tumbling down. Brothers and sisters, when you have a deeper relationship with Yahuwah, with Yahushua Mashiach, with, with Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, you praise Him and worship Him, you're, the walls are going to start tumbling down. You're going to start walking in the Spirit in a way that you never imagined. You never thought would happen. Things are going to start happening around you. You're no longer going to walk around in doubt. But you will walk around in the power, in the dunamis power that he has given you, that is in you. Because now he's able to he's able to flow through you because you share your time with him. You are at his feet. You take your secret time, you take your most your most intimate times and you share it with him. It takes away all that doubt. If you're doubting out there, or if you're thinking you're not doing enough, then I say to you right now. Get deeper in, in intimacy with him. Sing songs when you're when you're washing the dishes, when you're cleaning, when you're just in your house, put on worship music and worship him. Worship him throughout the day. You're gonna start seeing the walls coming down. And as you're worshiping and as you're as you're spending time, as you're sharing intimacy with our Savior, you're gonna start being given revelations you're going to start being given uh, uh solutions to your problems you're going to start seeing mysteries unlock you're going to start seeing his favor in your life let's look at exodus 33 in in verse 13 moses is telling yahuwah and now please if i have found favor in your eyes please Show me your way and let me know you so that I find favor in your eyes. And consider that this nation is your people. Brothers and sisters, when you have a relationship with your Savior, when you have a relationship and you can talk to the Holy Spirit and you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have this relationship and you've learned how to listen to his voice you can go to him and ask him these questions you can talk to him like this and he will show you more favor he will start showing you more of his presence he will start dwelling in your home he'll start showing you beautiful things let us look at verse 17 and Yahuwah and Yahuwah said to Moshe even this word you have spoken I shall do for you have found favor in my eyes and I know you by name Yahuwah knew Moshe knew Moses by name you want to establish a relationship with the kingdom so that your name is known so that when the time comes and the the Zarikroakem, the Angelos, the angels, the Numas, the legions of warring angels, when the time comes and it's time for you to loose the warring angels and it's time for you to loose the legions and it's time for you to activate the angels, the Angelos, the Zerekah, Nefeshim, the Yahuwah, Aronai, Elohim. When it comes time, right here it says, and I know you by name. 
Just like we know his name He will know you By name You will be able to activate You will be able to activate Powerly Power angels You will be able to activate The kingdom to act on your behalf Why? Because it will come a time Where you have the heart Of Christ You will have the heart Of Yahushua Mashiach And this is what is required In this time that we're living in In this time that we're living in The sheep and the goats are being separated In this time that we're living in You want to be on the side of the sheep Because there's going to time There's going to become a time where where you thought you were not you you were not going to be used you were not going to be able to be used, but there's going to be there's going to come a time where you have established that relationship, where you will have the favor of Yahuwah, where He will know you by name, and you are going to know exactly what you have to do to go into the courts of heaven and fight the battle in the courtroom in the courts of heaven, and then once you have won your your case. Then you can go out and declare the battle, the spiritual war in the battlefield. And you will be victorious. You see, the battle's already won. However, he needs us to activate it. And he needs us on this side of the veil to push forth his kingdom, to advance his kingdom. We are the last church around. We are. The Kodeshim, the set apart ones, the remnants. He is Yahuwah, Yahushua, Hamashiach, Ruach, HaKodesh. We are the Kodeshim. We are the Kodesh ones, the righteous ones. And when it comes our time, he's going to need, he's going to need to know that he can trust you. Hallelujah. What a mighty, what a mighty, wonderful Long-suffering Savior we serve That he's been long-suffering with us He's been patient with us He's been patient in the time That it's taken for us to mature And stop drinking of the milk He's been so long-suffering In knowing that you were going to finally get it And now is coming to your time Now is coming for the For the, the royal priesthood The last generation to break forth for the light to shine in the darkness. Hallelujah. Empty hands and an open heart. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Come to me with empty hands and an open heart. I will fill your hands with my blessings and your heart with my love. I know every need that you have in your life Big and small I know about your needs For food For clothing and shelter I also know your needs for friendship For belonging For love and acceptance And I know that your life Has been tough at times And you get tired So come to me And I will give you all you need I will give you the strength to keep going. I will be the friend who never lets you down. And I will love and accept you always. Does he say sometimes, maybe, no. He says, I will love and accept you 
always. John 17, 20 to 23. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me and the glory which you gave me I have given them who's them that's us and the glory which you gave me the kavod which you gave me I have given them that they may be one even as we are one Brothers and sisters, it comes a time where you have such a deep relationship with the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit that He will flow through you as you are one with Him. As you abide in Him, He will abide in you. He will abide through you. He will abide for you. You're going to start seeing things that you never thought would happen. I have seen things that I never thought would happen. I have seen unbelievable, miraculous things that I never thought I would see happening right before my eyes. Visions, dreams, wants, uh, fulfilled requests, petitions, solutions, especially in this time where those that are awake, you know, and even with those that are awake, you have those that are awake, and then those that are fully awake, that know the power, that know the, the dunamis power, the dunamato, that know the ruach hagodesh, Yahushua Mashiach, that know how to bind, that know how to loose. This is the kind that I'm talking about. This is the level. That I want to bring you to Isaiah 40 30 and 31 Even youths Shall faint and be weary And young men stumble and fall But those Who wait on Yahuwah Renew their strength Right now do you feel like you're supposed to be Doing something do you feel are you Restless Are you restless thinking that time is Running out That you you by this time, you should be doing something from the Lord, but you're not. That, that, that you think that you have uh, let the Lord down to the point where he's not using you. Do you feel like maybe you're not worthy? Well, I'm, gonna, I'm, here to, I'm here to shed some light on that, brothers and sisters. Don't feel that way. Those are the lying spirits lying to you. That's the accuser. Trying to accuse you That's the condemner Trying to condemn you And persecute you Until you disqualify yourself Out of the race Don't, don't, listen, don't, don't fall for his lies Okay It says in Isaiah 40 31 But those who wait On Yahuwah renew their strength You have a purpose If you're listening in to this message tonight If you listen in the archives Please know There is a purpose for you There is a book in heaven Written with your name on it 
And this book is still alive. This book is a living book. Uh, Pablo Medina Jr. has a living book right now in the heavens. And my book is alive. And our destiny has not yet been fulfilled. It is our job to come into alignment. It is our job to be at his feet, to worship him. Isaiah 40:30 to wait to be patient to wait on Yahuwah and as we wait as we are praising him as we are praying to him as we are taking the time out of our schedule as we are spending intimate time intimate relationship with Yahushua Mashiach Ruach Hakodesh he is preparing the way he is preparing your path he is preparing your destiny right now don't worry he's gonna call you he's gonna use you don't grow weary renew your strength be patient sometimes we think we're behind sometimes we think we've lost it sometimes we think we're delayed sometimes we think we missed the bus however the bus has not yet come the time has not yet come for the Kodesh ones, for the Kodeshim to be released. So while you are waiting patiently, renew your strength. Renew your strength so when the time comes, you will raise up. He will raise up the wing like eagles on you. And then when you have renewed your strength and he raises you up with the wings like eagles, you will run. And you will not be weary You will walk And you will not faint Brothers and sisters Don't be weary Don't get impatient Don't worry Just be at his feet He knows your needs He knows everything you need It is your job right now To come into alignment with him It is your job to be In an intimate relationship with him so that what he wants you to do, you will know exactly. Because once you get to this level, trust me, <laughs> you will be guided. The Holy Spirit will guide you. And you, without you even knowing it, you will be walking on your path that has been predestined before the foundations of the earth. Because you have come into alignment and now you can fulfill the rest of the destiny, the rest of your destiny in the book. You see, sometimes that sometimes people grow weary. Sometimes people get impatient. They get impatient. Martha was telling Yahushua, "Look at her. She's just sitting there. She should come over here and help me. I'm always got into doing the having to do all this work. I'm always doing all this work." Martha was growing weary. Martha was getting upset. Martha was worrying. Let us not be like Martha. Hallelujah. And then the Lord said to me, My grace is enough for you. When you are weak, then my power is made perfect in you. So I'm very happy to brag about my weaknesses Because then Christ's power can live in me 
In my weaknesses, he is strong. When you don't have enough of something you need, time, energy, money, consider yourself blessed. Why? Because when you need something that you cannot get for yourself, you're more likely to realize that you actually need the most. I'll say that again. Why? Because when you need something that you cannot get for yourself, you're more likely to realize what you actually need the most. Me. You learn to depend on me. The world tells you that if you depend on anyone, you are weak. But the world has it all wrong. Depending on me doesn't make you weak. It allows me to make you strong. Because when you feel weak and empty inside, then there is plenty of room for me to fill you up with my power. Brothers and sisters, I learned this the hard way. I tried to do things my way. I was trying to build a company that I wanted to build. I tried to do things I wanted to do. I did things because Pablo wanted to do it, because Pablo wanted to look good because Pablo wanted, but then the Lord had to break me down and it got to a point where I realized that really all I ever needed was the relationship with my Savior, Yahushua Mashiach, and to have favor with his father, Yahuwah, Arunai. And for the Ruach HaGodesh to walk with me and guide me and counsel me and be my friend. I realize that's all I need. And as long as I have this in this world, everything else will take care of itself. And when it's time, he will let me know. Until then, we will be patient and strengthen ourselves in this time. That we have to be patient. We strengthen ourselves in his word. Let's go to James chapter 1. Starting in verse 2. My brothers and sisters. Count it all joy. When you fall into various trials. Knowing that the proving. Of your belief works. Endurance. And let endurance. Have a perfect work. So that you be perfect. And complete. Lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of Elohim, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it shall be given to him. But he who should ask in he but he who should ask in belief, not doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. If you're going through temptations, if you're going through trials, count it all joy. It's it's an illusion. It's the enemy trying to bring you down, trying to bring more accusations against you, trying to open up more doors and more windows to, to gain more strongholds onto your life. That's all it is. It's an illusion. A lot of things in this world, what we see in our eyes, that's why it says in First John 2, don't look at the things of this world, for this world is temporary and passing by. Look at the things that are 
eternal, the things that you cannot see. I think that's also in Corinthians. The things that you cannot see because those shall live forever. Eternity is forever. This world is temporary. And we have these beautiful promises that he promises us with such with such confirmations that once you have this relationship, you will see these confirmations and you will learn how to work in the courtrooms of heaven. And I'm going to share more on this today. And if I, and if I run out of time, then we'll share on more the next time I come on. Uh, but I want to be able to lay down the groundwork so you can fully receive and learn and be a powerful weapon for the kingdom of Yahuwah Sabaot, Yeshua Mashiach Ruach Hagodash. Hallelujah. Yahuwah will help those who live in darkness, in the fear of death. He will guide us into the path that goes toward peace. I have lovingly created a path for your life. Nothing is by accident. Every twist, every turn is a part of my plan. Don't try to see what is up ahead on your path. And don't keep turning around and looking at the past. Here and now is the only place you can live. When you are constantly looking at the past or the future, today slips through your fingers half-lived. Don't worry about the test you blew last week. Don't worry about whether or not you'll get invited to that to that party, to that fiesta, to that to that home. Letting go of past and future worries frees you up to enjoy the here and now. Today is the day that is filled with my glorious presence. Today is the day that I have filled with blessings. Today is the day I give you my peace. Hallelujah. Luke twelve twenty five to 26. And which of you with taking thought can add to his stature one cubit? If you then be not able to do that thing which is least, why do you, why do you think, why do you worry about for the rest Consider the lilies How they grow They toil not They spin not And yet I say unto you That Shalom That Shalom That Shaloma in all his glory Was not arrayed like one of these Here let's go to a, a different version here I think that might be a little too much For you guys Let's go uh Okay, Luke, Luke 12, all right, Luke 12, 25, and which of you by worrying is able to add one cubit to lifespan? If then you are able to do the least, why, why do you worry about the rest? Look at the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and I say to you, even Shalomo in all his esteem was not dressed like one of these. So basically, brothers and sisters, don't worry. Don't worry if you haven't done enough. Don't worry if you feel like 
You're not going to do enough. Listen, be at his feet. He's got a plan for you. He's got a path for your life. There's a book written with your name in it. And he wants you to fulfill your destiny in that book. All you got to do is be patient. And in the time of being patient, spend your most intimate times with him. Read his word. Get into his word. Learn the secrets and mysteries that he has for us in his word. One of the secrets and mysteries that we're going to uncover tonight is the is, is is not a secret and is really not a mystery. It has to do with dealing in the courtrooms of heaven. And tonight we're going to show you how to deal. Well, we're going to give you a brief explanation because this is a rather drawn out process. And and I'm just giving you a brief overview. If you want to go to more teachings on this, you can go to Robert Henderson YouTube, Courts of Heaven. He has a book called Courts of Heaven by Robert Henderson. I'm going to be reading out of that. Hallelujah. And I'm also going to be reading out of Open Heavens for my mentor and pastor, Augusto Perez. But let us not look to the troubles of this world. Let us not worry about what's coming, about what the gloom and doomers are saying, about what any bad news might look like. Let us not look to those things. Because you know what? This is going to be a great time for us. It's going to be a beautiful manifestation for the for the Kodesh, for the Kodeshim, for the set-apart ones. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now, Second Corinthians 4.18. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our eyes on the things that cannot be seen. For the things that we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. Sometimes you make checklists for yourself to help you feel in control of your life. If I can get this, if I can get that, if I can just get the right clothes, and so on and so on. If I can only this, if I can only that. The problem is that there is never an end to these lists. If you check off one thing, two or more or three pop up. And take its place. The harder you try to make everything just right, the more frustrated you become. You won't find real peace and security in the things of this world. Because this world is imperfect and the things don't last forever. Only I am perfect. Only I am forever. So bring your checklists to me, I will help you sort out what is important and what is not. Stay close to me. Stay close to me. And I will give you my perfect peace. I love you. Brothers and sisters, he wants us to be close to him right now. I cannot stress any more highly how... He really wants us to be really close to him right now. And he will give you the perfect peace. And he will give you the tools. He will give you the weapons. He will give you the the, the, the guidelines. He'll give you the answers. Oh, it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be so marvelous, brothers and sisters. 
Let us turn to Isaiah 26, starting in verse 3. The one steadfast mind you guard in perfect peace, for he trusts in you. Trust in Yahuwah forever, for in Yah, Yahuwah, is a rock of ages. Brothers and sisters, he will keep you steadfast. He will keep you he will keep you in perfect peace. Right now we need to advance though. We need to go. We need to learn how to operate in the courts of heaven. We need to learn how to operate on a level where you can begin to see the battles won in a courtroom setting. Instead of, okay, here, let me, let me actually, let's, let's just get into these here books. And you're going to see for yourself exactly where you can start. I have um, the book Open Heavens here by Augusto Perez. Whoever wants a copy of this, I have been given the authority. I have been given the right to give it out to my brothers and sisters if you plan on taking this seriously, if you plan on taking it to a higher level to become part of the Kodeshim so that we can bring in this harvest, brothers and sisters. Because right now is the time of studying. Now is the time of equipping, of learning, of sharing our time, our most intimate time with Him, getting closer with Him. And I believe I have the tools right in front of me and if you want, you can go also on YouTube. Uh, his name is Robert Henderson. Also, Augusto Perez, The Appearance Ministries is on YouTube. And Courts of Heaven. Let us go ahead and read. start reading out of Open Heavens. The will of God takes into account the very desires of your heart. As he never imposes anything on us. He knows what we are capable of, our talents, abilities, experiences, and according to these things, the Lord makes a plan according to your prayer. Yahuwah will never overrule your will. To pray according to his will means to pray according to what he wants to accomplish on the earth in a certain circumstance. When we pray and wait on the Lord Yahuwah, he has taken what we have given him and has designed a plan for us. And all we need to do is get in line with that plan and let it run its course. If we miss the perfect plan he laid out for us. Okay, this is where it starts. What is the perfect plan, Pablo? The perfect plan is your book that is in heaven right now. Whoever's listening, Brenda Gill, there's a book with you. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know if people want me to say their name in their chat rooms. Uh, let, uh, guess one 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 zero. Guess one one. Guess uh, 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 Isri, uh, uh, Jay, Joe. Uh, there are books in heaven with our names on them. These books are living books. And as we share more time with Him, as we get closer to Him. He shows you more. He gives you more. You receive more. You receive more solutions. 
You put his solutions into action. You activate what he tells you to activate. You start moving in the in the spirit. The, the Holy Spirit is flowing through you. You're flowing in the Holy Spirit. You're abiding in him. He's abiding in you. And now your perfect plan is being laid out. And now you are in alignment with your identity, with your with your plan that is in your book. And sometimes if we miss it, then we may have to start all over again and do plan B. It's just like when you miss an exit in the expressway. You may be able to get off on the egg on the next exit, but by the time you arrive there, your chance has gone and the circumstances have changed. People that were there are not there anymore. The situations that existed do not exist anymore. They are gone. Can you imagine what would have happened if Elijah, the prophet, would have gone to the widow of Zarephath at a different time that Yahuwah told him to go? The widow would not have been in the field gathering sticks. Elijah would have gone hungry for several days. There would have been no miracle on the, of the barrel of meal and the cruise of oil. And there would have been no resurrection of the widow's son. That is why we need to have a prayer closet where we meet him daily and be turned in so we are able to hear and be tuned in so we are able to hear his voice and know his will in any given situation so we can obey him and do that which he is showing us. This is what the prophet does when he decrees things over people, churches, and cities. He knows now is the time, the moment for this to be fulfilled. That is why you have to be in tune with the spirit of Yahuwah, and you have to be able to hear his voice, walk in obedience, and get his perfect timing. Prayer must be done in faith. Remember Mark 11.24, believe that you receive. Believe that you receive. If you do not believe, it will not happen. Faith is always past tense. Faith says, Yahuwah has provided my needs. Yahuwah has healed me. God has healed me. It is done. It is mine. It is finished. He answers our prayer of faith some, through somebody else sometimes, most of the time. This is where a lot of people get it wrong. If you need healing, he sends you somebody with the gift of healing. If you need direction, he sends you somebody with a word from the Lord. If you need finances or something, he will move on someone to give you what you need. The Lord always does things on the earth through people. He does nothing until somebody prays. Yah does nothing except through human agency. It is whatever we bind on earth that is bound in heaven. And whatever we loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Binding is a legal, is a, uh, uh, is a, is a, is a term used in courts. When there is a binding agreement, both sides have to agree to the binding agreement. When we bind and loose, when we are covered by the blood of Yahushua Mashiach, and we bind up the demons, we bind up 
the, the lying spirits. We bind up the deceiving spirits. We bind up the doubting spirits. We bind up the fear, the, the, the spirit of fear. We bind up the spirit of lust. When we bind them up, we are using a term in the, from the courts of heaven that is in agreement to Yahuwah's binding agreements through the blood of Yahushua Mashiach. And whatever we bind on earth, we bind in heaven. And when we loose, we loose the binding agreements, we loose the enforcement, we loose and we put into action what the agreement was all about, what the decree was all about, what we have to bind up, we loose now and we enforce the standard of Yahuwah, the righteous judge. He is the righteous judge. This is what the ministry of prophetic intercession is all about. The prophetic decree has the authority to release into the atmosphere the rhema word of God that has been revealed. Releasing on the earth the authority for the answer to your prayer of faith to take place. Sometimes we have to pray for others. In these times where we're living in, we're, we, we need to be praying for our, our lost loved ones, our families, our friends our neighbors, and even our enemies, brothers and sisters. When we're praying for others, this is how he starts to train you to pray for family and friends in a very low level of intercession. This is how Yahuwah begins to train us in the art of intercessory prayer. The Lord teaches us to be persistent and persevere in prayer until we pray through and receive an answer. We learn how to ask, seek, and knock. We learn how to operate in the courts of heaven. It is during this time that Yahuwah develops our faith, teaching us the value of perseverance and patience in obtaining the things we are asking for. He teaches us how to pray according to His will, not ours. Here we learn how to manifest his kingdom on the earth and discover his will for us on this earth. Not only do we learn to discover his will for us individually, but also his will for specific situations and other people in our lives as well. It takes some time to be able to develop and master this level of prayer. It takes some time, brothers and sisters, to be able to develop and master this level of prayer life. As we mature as Christians, stay close to Him, grow in the faith. If He is showing you something, do not just start, don't just start to pray for it, but wait until He shows you how to pray. Maybe you will only speak protection and blessing on someone. And perhaps you will stand in the gap and even repent for someone. Or you may release the will of Yahuwah on them through a decree. You get the decrees once you have been entering into the courtroom, the throne room of grace. When you enter into the throne room of grace and you have uh, pleaded your case, you have brought forth a case, the accuser tries to accuse you operate like you're in a courtroom, and once the verdict has been handed down, 
then you can go ahead and do your decrees and your declarations into the atmosphere, and you can go ahead and do your spiritual warfare on behalf of Yahuwah, on behalf of Yahuwah Sabaoth, the King of hosts, the host of heaven's armies. Wait to see what the Lord really wants to do. Do not push through it impatiently. You have to be patient. But pray and stay with it until you are through and you feel a peace in your spirit about it. I was explaining to a brother last night. He was asking me, how do you know when you have entered into the throne room of grace? How do you know when you're there? Well, I liken to it. I gave him the explanation of when I am praising, worshiping the Lord, when I'm in my secret place, in my prayer closet, and I'm praying and I'm worshiping, I start to get hot. I start to get warm. The room starts to heat up. Why? Well, because just like the sun is hot, the light, the judge that is sitting on the throne, the light is bright. Yahushua, his son, our defense. Yahushua is our defense. His blood is our defense. The the bright Light, his kavod, radiating from him, it's hot. Remember, the fire, the Holy Spirit and fire. That's why you start to get warm. That's why you start to sweat. That's why you start getting hot. Because the Holy Spirit and fire, his presence, you have entered into his presence. You have entered into the throne room of grace. That's how you know you're there. That's when you can go ahead and start your your court your 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 courtroom your 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 plea whatever you need to do start operating in the throne room of grace. Wait till you see what the Lord wait till you see what He really wants you to do. Don't push through it impatiently, but pray and stay with it until you are through and you feel a peace. You're gonna feel warm. Don't give up before it's time. You will feel it. And know when it is time to stop. You need to let the Holy Spirit lead you. Work uh, Operating in the courtrooms and intercessory prayer is exciting and awesome, brothers and sisters. But it's not easy. It's hard work. It is more than just praying for another person's needs. It sometimes may, may not only uh, be praying for another person, but sometimes you might be standing in the gap and praying as that other person until the Lord has remitted their sins and they're able now to go before him and ask and repent for themselves. Sometimes it takes an intercessor. Sometimes it takes someone to pray for that person on behalf of that person for the scales to fall off their eyes, for the veil to be lifted from their eyes so they can see and then they can go and repent on their own. How can you fully pray on behalf of another Without fully understanding their given situation and what is on their heart. The Lord sometimes gives the intercessor the ability to enter into the spirit and feel, know, and experience the very conflict and agony that person is going through. The intercessor will sometimes experience the same pain and anguish in the body of that other person. The intercessor will begin to groan, wail, travail, and feel despair. This can be very confusing if you don't know what is taking place. 
What is beginning to you, what is happening to you as an intercessor is that you have literally become that person in the spirit and are praying as that person in the spirit, petitioning Yahuwah on, beher, on behalf of that person in the courtroom as their attorney, you represent them. It's just like in a courtroom. When, when attorneys are in a courtroom, they're representing that person. They're either representing the plaintiff or the defendant, but in a courtroom, the attorney is representing the person. So when we enter into the courtroom, we are representing that person. We are praying on behalf of that person. Yeshua HaMashiach is the greatest intercessor ever. He is praying for you every time you sin. He intercedes for you, brothers and sisters. Now you need to start understanding the legal battle. The level of prayer takes us, this level of prayer takes us fully into the realm of intercessory prayer where we learn the principles of winning the legal battle over our adversary, the devil, Homo Satanus. Many people ask this valid question. If Jesus overcame the devil and the powers of darkness at the cross, why do we have to battle? In order to understand this, you need to understand that everything that Yahuwah does on this earth, he does through a human vessel. Angels, angelos, numas, Zari Kruakem, the Zari Malakim cannot fight until we get involved in the battle. It is man, it is women who enforces the decrees of heaven. A believer has to go to the heavenly court in prayer and state his case, like the widow of Luke 18, 3 to 8. We don't have time to go there. You can go there when you have a chance. Luke 18, 3 to 8. Like the widow of Luke in Luke 18. And accuse the devil of illegal trespassing and touching what belongs to you. That is why the Bible says that Yahushua is our high priest, making intercession for us in heaven, Romans 8.34. The follower of Yahushua, Mashiach, Jesus Christ, the follower of Je Jesus Christ, who does this must not be living in sin. This is now why we have to be at his feet. This is why we have to be praising him and worshiping him and be in his word. Because the more that we praise and worship Him, the more that we're at His feet, the less we look into this world, the less the flesh has a stronghold on you, and the more you will be living in the Ruach, in the, in the Spirit. This person must be walking a pure walk with Yahuwah, have strong faith and trust in Him, and have perseverance and persistence one person is enough to enter heaven's courts. The believer must then accuse the enemy. The believer must accuse the devil, the homo satanus, with perseverance and faith without giving up and win the legal battle. The Lord, Lord, this is my cause. This Here's an example. Lord Yahuwah, this is my cause. I take what is mine 
my inheritance, and my blessings. I accuse the enemy, the accuser, the devil, homo satanus, in the name of Yahushua Mashiach, the name of Jesus Christ. I bind up the strong man in my life. I bind up the strongholds in my life. I bind up the chains. I bind up the yoke of bondage by the bloodshed of Yahushua Mashiach. And I cast it out. I loose your angels. I loose your promises into the atmosphere on my behalf. This is an example how you start winning the legal battle. This is how you start breaking the legal ties that the enemy might have in your life. This is how you start closing the doors and windows that have been opened for so long. Once this legal battle is won and the Father gives the verdict in our favor, we then have heaven's legal permission to enter into spiritual warfare. Now we have permission to enter into the next level of intercessory prayer where angelic beings get activated and involved in warfare to bring down principalities and powers and gives us the victory. Oh, hallelujah. How many, how many brothers and sisters out there want to live in victory? How many brothers and sisters out there that have been toiling in their prayer closets day after day, night after night, for hours and hours and hours, moaning and groaning and crying and 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 to not get your prayers answered and to not see victory. And then the next day you go back and you pray harder and harder and longer and longer and you still don't see much. Well, I'm giving you the key tonight on how to have victory, on how to be an overcomer. You see the battle is won in the courtroom. In the courtroom is when they, the council sits down. If we really, now I'm reading from Robert Henderson's book, Courts of Heaven. If we really want to get results from the courts of heaven, we need to know how to operate within these courts. Lawyers go to school for years to learn how to operate within our judicial systems. They learn to speak the language of the courts just as they must know how to address the court, present cases and briefs. So we too must learn how to present these things before heaven's court. One of the greatest mysteries to this process is understanding the books or scrolls that are in heaven. Daniel 7.10 tells us that there are books or scrolls in heaven that must be opened before the court of heaven goes into session. Once the courts of heaven are seated, the books are opened and the court appears to come to session. Daniel 7.10, a fiery stream is issued, a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him, 10,000 times, 10,000 stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. From this scripture, we can clearly see that an understanding of the books is foundational to court activity that allows Yahuwah's kingdom purposes to be done. But what are these books and what is written in them? 
Psalms 139.16 tells us that each person has a book in heaven. Your eyes saw my substance, but yet unformed. And in your book, they all were written. The days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. God wrote them down. God wrote down in a book the destiny and kingdom purpose for each of our lives. God saw us in our fleshly form in the earth before we ever existed. He saw our days, not just the number of them, but he saw the activities in them and what we would accomplish in our life. Our individual book is written, record of all that Yahuwah planned for us and the kingdom impact he has destined for our lives. Every person ever born has a book written about them. The battle is to get what is in the book to manifest on the earth. Even Jesus, Yahushua Mashiach, had a book. In Hebrews 10, 5-7, tells us that Jesus had a volume of the book. Yahushua Mashiach had a volume of the book that he came into the earth to fulfill. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice an offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the volume of the book, it is, risen, it is written of me to do your will, O Yahuwah. There is a book in heaven that chronicled what kingdom purpose Yahushua would fill, fulfill in the earth. Yeshua came with a passion and a commitment to complete what had been written in the books of heaven about him. This is interesting because John 1.14 says that Yeshua is the word made flesh. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory and the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. In other words, Jesus was the word sent out of heaven to be born in the flesh. His physical birth allowed what was written in the book of heaven to be made manifest in the flesh. He then spent the next 33 and a half years of his life fulfilling what had been written in the book. Anything God ordained is first written in a book or scroll in heaven. It must be sent out of heaven and birthed into the realm, the earth realm, before it can become flesh. This is what happened to Yahushua, but also to us and anything else that is ever born into this earth realm. So it could be said that before we came into the earth, we were a word written in a scroll. When we were born into the earth, we began the process of living out our kingdom purpose as it, was, as it was written in heaven in our book. This is why Ephesians 10 says that we are his workmanship. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The word workmanship is the Greek 
in the Greek means a poem. Oh my gosh, I started with poems. You see, brothers and sisters, how this how this works. <laughs> I I didn't even realize this. The word workmanship in the Greek means a poem. We are God's poem that was written down in heaven that has now entered earth. Just like the the poems that I read from Inmate Fuller. We are a poem with a point. Our lives carry a message that is creative and life-giving. Notice that this poem was written down and the works we are to do were planned. Beforehand, we were a scroll, heaven with poetic power that has now entered the earth to cause the writings of heaven to become flesh. There are not just books about individuals. There are also books about churches, apostolic networks, businesses, ministries, cities, states, regions, and nations. Heaven is full of books. Anything that is purposed of the Lord will begin as a book in heaven. The apostle John, while in heaven, was given a book that he was commanded to eat. This book was about nations, Revelations 10, 8 through 11. Shows an angel with a little book that had the destinies of nations in it. John was instructed to take the book and eat it. This book was from heaven and was out and was about the future and kingdom purpose of nations. We know this because the result of John eating the book was the ability to prophesy to peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. It was going to become the job of the apostle John to prophesy out of the books. What Yahuwah has said about these nations. When John would prophesy from the books, it allowed court sessions to begin. Revelation 19.10 tells us, And I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, See that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony. You see, Jesus was given was 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 being a testimony, a witness in a court. Where do you have witnesses? Where do you got to give a testimony? I've been to court a couple of times. I've had to give a testimony. For the testimony of Yahushua is the spirit of prophecy. The word testimony means, means to give judicial witness. Yahushua, Jesus Christ, from his position as our high priest and mediator, is testifying in our behalf in the courts. Notice that this testimony becomes a spirit of prophecy in our mouths. When we prophesy, we are not just speaking the earthly realm, but we are in fact picking up and discerning the present testimony of Jesus, Yeshua Mashiach, in the courts of heaven. We are agreeing with and echoing the testimony of Yahushua, Jesus Christ. This grants heaven the right testimony to render verdicts in our behalf and the kingdom purposes of Yahuwah, even in nations. Where do the books come from? These books that are in heaven came into being from the counsel of the Lord, Yahuwah, 
Jeremiah 23.18 says there was a counsel of the Lord. Jeremiah 23.18, for who has stood in the counsel of the Lord and has perceived and heard his word? Who has marked his word and heard it? The word counsel in Hebrew is sod. It means a company of persons in session to consult or a secret. It comes from the Hebrew word yasad, which means to sit down together to settle and consult. Clearly, God has councils that are held in heaven for the purpose of planning future kingdom events. Genesis one twenty six says that the Godhead had a council about the creating and forming of man. Notice that God said in Genesis one twenty six, "Let us." In other words, there was discussion in the council of heaven. Concerning the formation of man in the image of likeness of Yahuwah. From this council, books were written about the destiny of earth, man, and of Yahuwah's creation. What was written in these books from the council of Yahuwah is what we are seeking to birth into a flesh demonstration. That's why right now, brothers and sisters, we have to remain patient. We have to be in our prayer closets. We have to be in a, in a closeness with him, in such a close relationship with him, where we know we're hearing his voice and we're able to birth this into the atmosphere. We're able to bind what he wants us to bind on earth as it is in heaven. We're able to let thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. In 2 Timothy 1.9, Paul is exhorting Timothy to fulfill what was planned before time began. 2 Timothy 1.9, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus, Yeshua Mashiach, before time began. Notice that purpose and grace were given to Paul and Timothy before time began. This is really interesting. This means that purpose and grace have been waiting on us. Purpose and grace has been waiting on us to discover them from before time began. Purpose is what is written in the books of heaven about them. And grace was the empowerment to bring it into the realities of the earth realm. This was given to them before time began in the council of the Lord. To understand this, we must know that before we existed in the earth, there was a book about us in heaven. From the council of Yahuwah, the Lord made decisions concerning us. The giving and receiving of, of counsel is for the purpose of arriving at the decisions. It is amazing to realize that God Himself not only is the counselor, but receives counsel as well. We see this in, in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 8, where Isaiah is cleansed from what is polluting him, and then here's a counseling session in heaven. Isaiah 6, 8, Also I heard the voice of Yahuwah saying, Whom shall I send, and who shall go for us? And then I said, Here am I, send me. Notice that Yahuwah is asking for counsel here. He wants input 
as to whom shall be used to carry his message into the earth. Isaiah volunteers as he is eavesdropping on this council session in heaven. Brothers and sisters, how was Isaiah able to eavesdrop on this counseling session? That was because he had a relationship so close. His relationship was so close that he was <laughs> he was even able to allow to to eavesdrop. I mean, is isn't this is this is this amazing stuff to you, brothers and sisters, or what? Clearly from this council, a decision was made to allow Isaiah the right and privilege to run with this message of the Lord. I believe that before Yahuwah releases life-impacting messages, church-altering truths, and or planet-changing revelation, there's councils in heaven. These councils are for the purpose of deciding who will carry these messages forth. Brothers and sisters, are you ready to carry these messages forth? Once these decisions are made, truth is revealed to the ones chosen for this assignment. This word declared has impacting effect into the spheres intended. It is quite interesting to get glimpses into the working of heaven, the spirit realm. There is much more happening there sometimes than what we are aware of, brothers and sisters. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord Jesus. What a mighty Father we serve. Okay. <clears throat> Anyone can start. <clears throat> Anyone can start at the throne of grace. <clears throat> the throne of grace is where anyone can start, you know. And the only reason why I'm saying this is because just like in this country, in the United States, I know there might be some listening in from across the globe, but here in the United States, we have all different kinds of courts. We have civil courts. We have judicial. We have uh, criminal courts. We have supreme courts. We have um, uh, zoning courts. For property, real estate courts There's all different kinds of courts And in some higher courts You know, only certain kind of attorneys Can operate in higher courts In the Supreme Court Only certain attorneys are allowed To operate in the Supreme Court The same way it is in the courts of heaven However, in the courts of heaven Everyone is allowed to operate in the throne of grace Everyone is allowed That's where anyone can go Into the throne of grace Where the righteous judge Sits on that throne Not to minimize the throne of grace Now don't get me wrong This is not minimizing anything I'm not trying to minimize The importance of it Because this is also very powerful And it's a powerful It's, it's a powerful lesson That we all need to learn and once we learn to operate in this throne of grace, once we learn to operate there, then it is my belief he can take you into higher courts. And you can learn to operate into higher courts. And again, I stress reading The Courts of Heaven by Robert Henderson 
or go to his YouTube page and learn how to operate in the courts of heaven. The good news is that there is a court we can operate in as believers that is acceptable for us all. It is called the throne of grace. Hebrews 4.16 tells us, tells us about this in this court in Hebrews 4.16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Everything we deal with on a personal or family level can be brought to the throne of grace. At this, at this throne or in this court, we can obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. I function in this court setting on a regular basis. The first time, I, this is Robert Henderson speaking now, and I'm going to give you an example of what it is to operate in this, so hopefully you'll get the idea and start operating in this manner. And then you're going to start seeing some drastic changes, I, I guarantee it. The first time I functioned in this court was on belief of my son Adam. Adam had gone through a very difficult time. He had been married and had a baby with a girl that decided she didn't want to be in ministry with him. They, they were youth pastors in the northwest part of our nation and were very effective in this ministry. Through a series of events, they moved back to where they had both grown up. She became involved with her old friends and her family. The result was she left Adam and took the baby with her. Adam was not without fault or blame, but nothing warranted this kind of decision being made. The result was a divorce that separated Adam from everything he loved. He didn't want the divorce, but was powerless to stop it. This caused Adam to go into a place of deep depression. Robert Henderson is saying here, I tried everything over the course of the next couple of years to get him out of it. Nothing worked. He would go to work from 3 p.m. until 11 p.m. every day and then come home to go to his room and play online video games all night. This was his way of dealing with the pain and loss that he had suffered. I would try to talk to him, encourage him, and motivate him. To come out of this place There would be no response from him He wasn't mean or nasty He was just lifeless In addition to everything I have mentioned I prayed vigilantly, vigilantly for Adam every day my, attitude, my attitude towards him in this situation Was that brute force and prayer Would get the job done This was my attitude in prayer about everything I figured if it didn't move It just needed more effort and more time put into it. I didn't understand that if something hasn't moved after much prayer, there is a legal reason for it. The devil has a legal right to withstand me. The only thing that will bring an answer is removing the legal right that the devil has to resist us. Please understand that I do believe in persevering prayer. I also have come to believe that revealed strategies will make us more effective than just praying with more force and doing time in prayer. After two years of praying and seeing absolutely no results, I began to get an understanding of operating in the courts of heaven and coming before his throne of grace. One morning as I was seeking the Lord and spending time with him, Yahuwah said, take Adam before my courts. 
I had never done anything like this before, but I was very open to try. I wasn't dealing with a national issue or a global concern. I was dealing with a personal issue, my own son. I didn't need to be before a court in heaven that, that had jurisdiction over what would happen to nations. All I needed to do was be before his throne of grace and find mercy and grace for Adam in this time. I began by simply approaching his throne of grace with boldness. We are told that because of who Jesus is and what he had done, we can approach his throne with absolute confidence. Hebrews 4, 14-16 tells us just some of the things that are working on our behalf in this throne of grace. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Yahushua, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We are told that we have a great high priest who is Jesus, that is before this throne of grace on our behalf. The position of high priest is a legal Position before the throne of grace All we have to do is look at Aaron The high priest during the exodus adventures of the Jews To see that his job Was to provide Yahuwah with the legal right To bless Israel Priests give Yahuwah the legal privilege To bless Instead of curse A person or a thing Aaron did this through all the sacrifices that he offered and every function of his priesthood. This is what Jesus is doing as our high priest now. He is before his he is before this throne of grace offering his own blood so that Yahuwah has a legal right to bless us instead of curse us. We don't have to be afraid to come before his throne. Because the position of Yahushua Mashiach, Jesus Christ, has won as our high priest. Notice also that Yeshua Mashiach, Jesus Christ, as high priest, has passed through the heavens. This is significant. The powers of darkness that occupy these spiritual dimensions called the heavens could not stop Yeshua Mashiach from taking his legal place as high priest. Because of his absolute obedience to the Father and the blood that he shed, they had no power to keep him from his place. The result is that these principalities have now lost their legal right to rule. Yeshua Mashiach has legally overthrown these powers of darkness. It is our job as the church to execute and administrate this judgment on the earth. Colossians 2, 13-15 shows us the legal position the Lord has granted us. It also clearly articulates the undoing of the previous position of the powers of darkness. We have now been granted by the work of Yeshua Mashiach on the cross 
a legal position in heaven from which we can operate. Colossians 2, 13 and 15, And you, being dead in your trespasses, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all his all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. In other words, when he won the legal battle, he went in the pit, the three days of darkness, when he died, and he made a spectacle of Homo Satanus, and around all his minions and his demons and his legions, and he made a great spectacle of him, of them, triumphing, overpowering, showing that he had won the legal battle and took back and broke the legal ties. We must understand that the cross of Yeshua Mashiach was a legal transaction. We are here to execute the legalities that this transaction put into place. A legal transaction has no power if it is not executed. For instance, a judge can issue a decree of judgment in a court, but if there is there, but if there is no one to enforce that judgment, it will have no power. When someone is saved, it is because the legalities of what Yeshua Mashiach did on the cross are legally put into place in the in their lives. When Yeshua Mashiach died on the cross, he legally provided atonement for all mankind for all ages. Second Corinthians five, eighteen through nineteen. When Yeshua Mashiach died on the cross, Yahuwah reconciled himself back to the world legally. Every legal issue that separated Yahuwah and man was taken out of the way through the cross. Notice, though, that people that are saved have to be reconciled back to Yahuwah. They have to legally grab hold of what Yahushua Mashiach did and make it their own. 2 Corinthians 5.20 illustrates this. In response to Yahuwah reconciling himself back to us, we must be reconciled back to him. Just because Jesus Christ, Yeshua Mashiach, fulfilled every legal issue separating us from Yahuwah the Father, doesn't mean we are automatically saved. We must legally apprehend for ourselves what Jesus legally provided for us. 1 John 1.9 displays this fact. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, just like if we confess his name before men, he will confess us before his Father. God is faithful and just. Faithful speaks of his covenant-keeping nature. He will be true to the covenant he made with us through the blood and body of Yeshua Mashiach. A covenant is a legal entity. This scripture also says that Yahuwah is just. 
This means he administers justice into place. Yahuwah loves justice and hates injustice. Please notice that nowhere in the scripture is mercy mentioned. We are not forgiven and cleansed on the basis of Yahuwah's mercy. We are forgiven and cleansed on the basis of his covenant keeping nature and his justice. In other words, Yahuwah can legally show us mercy because a legal precedent has been set from the cross that allows the Lord, Yahuwah, from his covenant and justice to be merciful. His mercy is a result of his justice. The blood of Yahushua Mashiach is our defense. When we meet the legal requirements of confession, Yahuwah is freed to legally forgive us our sins. But the forgiveness released to us is found in the just nature of Yahuwah because of what Yahushua did for us on the cross. And now he can legally forgive and cleanse us when we meet the legal requirement of confession. This is why repentance is important. Because when we repent, now we legally allow him to forgive us. The cross of Yeshua Mashiach grants Yahuwah the Father the legal and just right to forgive and cleanse us. We are in essence, we are in essence ex- executing what Yahushua Mashiach legally purchased for us by his body. But without, without our confession and repentance, that legally puts forgiveness, cleansing, and restoration in place. The work of Yeshua Mashiach is for nothing, even though he completed his job. Having a legal decree and executing it into place are two different things. This is why repentance is so important. All our repentance grants Yahuwah the Father the legal right to display and show his mercy. Otherwise, we live far below where Yeshua Mashiach, Jesus Christ, purchased at the cross. Even though it is legally ours, we can only get it when we execute into place the verdicts of the cross. Okay, now with that being said, now let's go back to his son, Robert Henderson's son, in this book, Operating in the Courts of Heaven. As Adam languished in the depressed state, the Lord Yahushua told told me, take Adam to court. As I said before, I've never done this. I simply began by declaring that I intended and wanted to present Adam before Yahuwah and his throne of grace. As I did this, I began to repent for what Adam had allowed in his life. I repented for his lack of faith, his lying down under depression, his giving up, and anything else I felt at that moment. I was endeavoring to silence the accuser that was using legal things to resist Adam and his destiny. Just suffice to say for the moment that the only weapon the devil has against us and our destiny in the books of heaven is accusation. I had a right to repent on Adam's behalf as an intercessor until Adam could do it for himself and silence the accuser. Remember I spoke earlier about the attorney. The attorney can represent his client. So right here Robert is saying how he's 
as an intercessor, as our as their attorney, we can we can pray in their place on behalf of them. This is what an intercessor does. An intercessor takes a legal position on behalf of another, just like an attorney, and the other can and will take it for themselves. And then Robert continues to go on to say, As I repented for Adam, I was getting legal things in place that had been opposing Adam. As soon as I felt that I had answered every legal thing the accuser was using against Adam, I felt a release of Yahuwah. Suddenly I heard him say, Now you repent for all the negative things you have said about Adam in your frustration. I realized at that moment that when I had spoken negative things about Adam, I had actually empowered the accuser against him. When I had said, I don't understand why he won't stand up and fight. Or why won't he get up and move forward? I had inadvertently empowered the accuser with my testimony concerning Adam. And then he showed me that the accuser before the throne was actually saying, Even his father says these things about him. When people in authority over us speak against us or for us, it becomes a testimony before heaven. Yahushua said in Matthew 12, 36-37, But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by words you will be justified, and by words you will be condemned. The word idle actually means something unemployed. In other words, we don't mean it, but we say it anyways. These words become testimony before the courts of heaven that can justify or condemn. I was being used of the devil to empower his accusations against Adam in the court of heaven. I then repented of that which I had spoken against Adam for my place of frustration. I immediately felt a release come as legalities began to be put into place in heaven Concerning Adam I was answering the accusation In the court of heaven That was legally being used To hold Adam captive In depression Everything is a legal matter When it comes to heaven And the spirit realm We must learn to get things Legally in place Before we march onto any battlefield As soon as I had repented For both Adam and myself I then began to prophesy And decree what was written in Adam's book in heaven. Remember that each one of us has a book in heaven with our destinies and days written in it. That's in Psalms 139, 15 and 16. As I had removed everything that was working against Adam legally, I now could prophesy from his book what Yahuwah had said about him. I began to prophesy the portions of his destiny that I felt were in his book I broke the spirit of depression And told it to leave I immediately felt things shift A week and a half later I received a call from Adam This is what he said Dad I don't know what happened But a week and a half ago All the depression suddenly was gone 
I am free from it and I'm ready to pursue what God made for what God made me for. What I had not been able to accomplish in two years of praying, warring, yelling, crying, and every other emotional appeal before Yahuwah was done in about fifteen minutes period of being before the throne of grace and getting legal things in place. Adam is back in full-time ministry as an associate pastor in the northwest part of our nation. Once legal things were dealt with in the courts of heaven, the power of depression was broken. The father's heart was free to come into operation over Adam. Adam is now presently living out his dream of ministry and the dream that Yahuwah has for him. He is apprehending what is in his book that is risen in heaven. There is a very real court of heaven that we have been granted entrance into. From this court, we are to get legal things in place. So destinies written in the book of heaven can be fulfilled. Brothers and sisters, it is time we understand how to operate in the courts of heaven. I briefly explained a a little bit of what's going on here. The Lord has confirmed this to me through several different people. Um, as a matter of fact, I don't know how many out there uh, listen to Glenda Linkus' Wings of Prophecy within the past week. Within the past week, she had also brought up dealing in the courts of heaven, operating in the courts of heaven. Uh, Glenda Linkus from Wings of Prophecy. She touched on it within the past week or so. This is not the first time I've heard it. I have known about this years ago. Um, Just lately as I have shared more time with my Lord and Savior and have been more at his feet, he gave me more insight. And this book was given to me so that I can read So I figured I needed to share this with you since I had received so many confirmations and since I have already seen in my life some some victory through operating in the courts of heaven. Like I said, I've done this before, maybe about um, three years ago, but not in the depth that I do now. I hope this blessing, I hope this message tonight has blessed you. I hope it empowered you. I hope you learn to operate in the courts of heaven so that you can have victory, so you can start winning battles, so you can start being given decrees and declarations, so that you can fulfill what is in your books and intercede for others that need to come into alignment with our Lord and Savior, Yahushua Mashiach. I will leave you with this song. I hope you enjoyed the show tonight. I hope it was a blessing to you. I hope it was a baruch for you, a blessing.
thank you for joining us tonight at the Lord's Hour. And I will close it out with this beautiful song. Brothers and sisters, I love you. Shalom to you and your families. And may you dwell in the grace
good night, brothers and sisters. I'm having major technical problems. I can't even get into the chat room to say good night. Much love. Shalom. Wish you all the best. May the Lord, Yahuwah Mashiach, bless you, keep you safe forever and ever. Amen. Good night. Blog Talk Radio. Blessings of our sweet Jesus and his company be with you, heart dwellers. Well, I've been getting hit with all kinds of distractions, one after the other, and I wasn't recognizing that they were distractions until my husband brought it to my attention. Thank God for my husband. He has the anointing to see right through what the enemy's trying to do. The Lord has something very specific he wants me to do. And the moment I got serious about doing it, I was slammed out of left field with distractions, powerful distractions, like dropping everything and stocking up on food for the left behind, getting involved in community dramas. I suspected it was a distraction, but Ezekiel knew it. And one after another for the last three days, I've been getting hit with those. Finally, (laughs) my husband and the Lord have brought me back to my senses and I can see what's been going on. Precious heart dwellers, some of you are writing to me with heart-rending letters asking for guidance from me. And it just breaks my heart. There are so many letters, we can't answer them all. And I can't do it. I just can't answer them. The Lord has asked me to do a specific task, and I have to complete it. And there is no time beyond the time it takes me to just eat, sleep, live, and work on what he's asked me to do. Uh, Ezekiel and I have wept over some of your situations, how very painful they are. And the Lord has assured us, as we take care of what he has asked us to do, he will take care of you. Know that my heart is with you. Please, I ache and groan for you, but only Jesus can give you the answer and solve your dilemma. Know that time is extremely short and wrapping up right before your eyes. You don't have much longer to wait. Everything you're suffering right now is going to the Father's throne as a fast offering for last-minute conversions. So please take it to heart. It's not that we don't care about you. We care deeply. But if we stop what we're supposed to be doing to answer you, we'll never finish it. And thousands of others will not receive 
the comfort they need after the rapture. That's basically it. I can't take any more personal requests right now. But I do have a group of seasoned warriors that will be able to pray and advise you on the comments page or on the message page. The help you don't get from us, the Lord will give you. And I'm not just saying that. When Ezekiel and I cried out to him for the stack of letters that we had after we'd read them, the Lord said, I'm taking care of them. So he is with you and he's going to take care of whatever it is that's going on in your life right now that's causing so much grief. Please press into the Lord. He is there for you. If I tried to answer you, I would do the same thing. I'd press into the Lord. Uh, and he's taught us to do this with the Bible promises and scripture. And I would have to do the same thing that I'm asking you to do. And Holy Spirit has your answers. I don't. So that said, please don't be upset with me. I'm just telling you the bare bones truth. A month ago, I could have answered you, but now I can't. There is no more time left, heart dwellers. We are truly on the verge of the tribulation. I saw these giant doors of mercy, and they are slowly swinging into the position of being shut. And what is left on the outside is suffering beyond our comprehension. The Lord needs your prayers now more than ever. He needs your fast offerings now. He needs your repentance for the world now. I don't know how many different ways I can say it. There's no more time. And when I came into prayer, the Lord held me to his heart, and I just cried and cried, not really knowing the specifics and exactly why, except somehow my spirit has been shown what's about to happen. And I've been given a glimpse of how serious it really is. And I just keep weeping and telling Jesus, I'm so sorry you have to do this. I'm so sorry. And as I was being held by him and I was crying, soon he began to weep too. And then several angels stepped forward and surrounded us to bring us comfort. He began to speak. Yes, the reality of it is terribly daunting. There are things I must keep from your eyes. So terrible are they. Yes, time is up. The horrible reality is upon us. Oh, Claire, I wish you didn't have to go through this with me. I so wish I could deliver you out of this world before the worst of it hits. I wish you hadn't been born at this time, but you were, and you've been created for such a time as this. Stay in prayer, my love, and don't let anything carry you off. And I just want to make an aside here and say that he's not saying that we're going through the tribulation. What he's saying is we're going to see the beginning of it. And that in itself is going to be just horrendous. He continued, Do only the designated tasks I have laid before you. Everyone and everything else I will take care of. As I rested my head on his heart and he held me ever so tightly, I began to see blood pools of blood and more blood everywhere. 
It's almost as though those bodies just melted into pools of blood. Then I saw fire, bodies lying on the ground, burning and burning. I saw a Korean woman, alive and burning, calling out for someone. She's lifted her head and called out. A child was lying near her, dead. She collapsed and died as well. The skies were thick with smoke. I'm looking at a city on the bay, reminiscent of open California, but not necessarily that city. This city is some kind of a shipping port. I just keep seeing fireballs of debris falling from the sky, leaving a trail of smoke behind them. They look like the shattered remnants of a passing comet or volcanic eruptions coming from the sky, coming from out of nowhere. It seemed that the city was totally quiet because everyone was dead. Everyone. I cried out, mercy, Lord, mercy. And a quiet voice came from behind my left shoulder where my guardian angel is usually stationed. And the voice said, the time of mercy is over, Claire. This is God's judgment on this evil and corrupt world. Then I said, please, Lord, say something to me. He began, what is there to say except utter devastation to the cities of the world? One by one they will fall, beginning in the east and coming across Europe to your country. What can I say except that the time of mercy has come to an end? Pray for mercy. On my eternal clock face, there are only seconds remaining. Pray much for mercy before the door has completely been sealed shut. But Lord, your mercy is never ending. This is true. My mercy never fails. Never. Never. 